Hello, you're about to listen to our podcast, Three Chefs in a Pod. Some of our episodes have been recorded during lockdown over dodgy Wi-Fi, so some of the sound quality isn't quite what we'd wanted, but please do keep listening as they do get better. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning and welcome to Three Chefs in a Pod. I'm Ian Samuels. I'm Peter Pickering. And I'm Vissan Anenden. Right, guys, nice to see you all. How are we all doing? Not bad. Great. Not bad. Okay, it's been very lively. But anyway, right, today we've got a special guest, and I must say I'm very excited to say we've got a special guest chef coming on today. I should say the word celebrity chef. Yeah, I should say it because that's what he is. We've got the CEO of The Frog in Covent Garden, Adam Anderling. How are you? How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Nice sunny morning. Very good. Yeah, very it is actually. Yeah. I love how everyone just looked outside the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just looked at the back of me, and it's just, I'm just shaded. I think it's all sunny. It looks dark and grey where I am. Yeah. Well, it is sunny, but a bit chilly. But hey, mustn't grumble. It could be raining. So yeah. Right. So Adam. Yeah. Bubble jacket. <laughs> Right, so Adam, if I may ask, but right, right now, so I was going to give you a formal induction. I thought, well, if anything, it'd be better if you could introduce yourself. Because looking at your catalogue of work, in all fairness, you've got so many different achievements. I didn't know where to start. So I thought, let me ask them and give them a quick introduction about where I'll begin for you as a chef, if you don't mind um, telling us a bit about your story in life. Yeah, well, I've been um, doing this for 16 years. Um, which is quite well, 16 years about two weeks ago, which is, which two is weeks kind of ago. like, yeah, 27th September was my 16th anniversary as a chef, and it kind of like wakes you up to think, shit, I've just literally done 50% of my life as my career, you know, that, that's when yeah. it starts to be a real like, oof. Um, but yeah, started in Glen Eagles Hotel as an apprentice, stunning, stunning place, loved it, loved it, but I never really wanted to be a chef, to be fair. I just didn't like university, I didn't want to go to university or school, so my mother gave me an ultimatum. Leave university. You can leave school and go to university, or you can leave school and get an apprentice doing whatever you want, but just something um, that you can continually learn from and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I took that as a challenge to get the hell out of school, and I, I got an apprenticeship uh, in Glen Eagles Hotel as a chef. And then it was maybe okay. like six to nine months into it that then it then a spark, like kind of like alighted, and it was amazing. And I was that real turning point was inspiration and passion and teamwork but the inspiration part thing kind of made me think wow this is actually really quite cool really 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 cool and um that was the that was the main pulling point of the start of my rest of my life really okay so when you said when you was at college were you actually working in a restaurant as well yeah great yeah well glen eagles glen eagles mm, yeah. had a restaurant so you know they've got andrew fairley's two mission star restaurants yeah, Strathel, okay. yeah I, I was yeah. working there um Stunning, stunning property. I think it was the third best hotel in the world at that point. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal restaurant as well. The restaurant was is amazing. It's still going on. The restaurant's still there as well, I think, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's five restaurants in there actually. Right. Okay. Wow. Bloody massive operation, but utter stunning. And it's you know I'm a proud Scot, and to work <laughs> to be working there is uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing place. Not a bad place to to start your training at. Yeah, yeah. And, and what and then, would, no. And what was Gun like as a chef? What was he like, the chef, though? 
Uh, well, my main chef was Andrew Hamer, who hired me. Um, he was the exec chef of the hotel. Uh, he he was great, um, believed in me, took the one. But then the exec sous chef, he was, oh, Jesus Christ. The <laughs> devil, the devil. One <laughs> massive, massive, scary-ass Irishman. But he was phenomenal at what he did. You know, phenomenal, but um, absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah, I can relate to that. That's yeah, the, totally. That's I understand that. Yeah, the the training, the the training regimes. They, yeah, they they were quite terrifying at times, weren't they? But, that was an that was an old school kitchen, you know. So yeah. if you looked at someone the wrong way, you had a pan chucked to your face. You know, it was wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was very very. I was in tears so many times in that place. You know, you're you're running because you're like fuck. You know, you're trying to you're 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 running the fridge to quickly have a little cry, and then you hear the door slam behind you. You're like, shit, please, you turn around. Nobody be there. Nobody be there. Because <laughs> if someone's there, you're fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, those really just totally. It, it's it's so military the way they they work. They break you, then they build you back up again. It's the most it's strangest true. thing ever to go through. I know it's not like that anymore, but obviously back then yeah. it was. Um, of course, it was like that. Old school. So, Adam, from the hotel as well. Where was your next career move? Uh, from there, I then went to um, I went to London to do okay. um, to, to stage for about I think it was like nine months. But then I ran out of money, like every bright-eyed, yeah. bushy-tailed eighteen-year-old with a dream was to London and uh, doesn't realize yeah. how bloody expensive it is. Um, so yeah, I did, I did, I staged in all the restaurants I really wanted to. And then I, I went back to Newcastle and this is where I met Stephen, my group chef. So he's okay. been with me, he's, he's been with me for 13 years, yeah. um, uh, or 12 years, 13 this year. Um, and that's where I met him on my currently journey. So I was in the Malmaison, loved the place. I was the Sioux there, worked my way up to the Sioux three years later. And then moved to back to Scotland to be the head chef of the Fairmont Hotel. So I've not worked in very many places, but when I do, I stick into them for a long period of time. Okay, okay, okay. How old were you when you became head chef um, at the Fairmont? I was 22, I think it was. No, no, I was 23, 23. Youngest head chef in all the Fairmonts. So obviously there's two in the country. There's the Savoy uh, and there is the one in St. Andrews. That is young. Oh, what? Yeah, twenty-two. Yeah. Wow. I've I've always been a bloody um, ambitious little Torag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good dress. Can, <laughs> can you say ambitious and Torag in the same sentence? <laughs> twenty-two. No, it, that's insane. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really really good. I was twenty-two or twenty-three. I can't really remember how old I was, but um, yeah, it was uh, an eye opener into you know what it takes to lead a team. Yeah, um, and then that's where I met Johnny. So Johnny's my head chef of West London restaurants. Um, so as you can see, my journey of where I'm going, all of the people that I meet along the route follow me, uh, and I have a very, very, very loyal senior team. Um, yeah. uh, uh, and that's the great thing about it is you don't really need to stress out so much from a oh. turning revolving door of senior staff, junior for sure, because everyone has ambition and nobody wants to work anymore. It's bloody annoying. <laughs> but in terms of senior team structure you know uh, and destination of where you're going in terms of restaurant and career and that sort of stuff having them around you all the time that aren't going to drift off and completely fuck up your uh, your plans is, is really beneficial to to running a restaurant group that's that's what it is though i, I suppose that's it, you you've got to you know surround yourself with with good quality people and actually keeping hold of them i think that's, that's a good testament to yourself really i think as a boss 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm 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 a bit of a twat sometimes, but uh, <laughs> I, I love them and they put up with me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. From Newcastle, then um, I don't. What was your next step? That was the Fairmont in uh, yeah. in, in St Andrews, and then from there it was. Um, I actually gave up cooking for about a year. Wow. Um, yeah, I was gunning to be the youngest Michelin star chef ever in history. Um, obviously, because I had high ambitions. And I failed, but I was obviously young, arrogant, aggressive, just a dick. I have no idea why the team carried on working for me. <laughs> but it was because I wasn't truly confident in my own ability. You know, I was cooking, you know, French, British, you know, everything, butter, all the luxury ingredients in the world. Mm. And it was basically like, um, you know, a dick showing contest. I knew, no <laughs> I knew nothing but really just put everything you can, everything which is the best on a plate and overcomplicate things. And, you know, ignorance is bliss. That's what I was doing my whole career. It was always very luxury, luxury. And food was evolving, as were people. But okay. I wasn't. I was still stuck in the old way. And I was only cooking for the guide. I wasn't cooking for myself. This yeah. is where the, the turning point of my career. And obviously, I didn't get it. And um, I only got three rosettes as well. I wanted more than that. And I threw my dummy out the pram. And I went batshit crazy and quit everything. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was, and then I went traveling for a year uh, around the world, and that was where I then woke up and realized that because I'd never, I'd never, I'd never, I've never really been on holiday anywhere outside the UK. I'd never traveled anywhere. I'd work, I worked seven days. My two days off, I was working in another place to 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 pay the bills, to get to to you know that sort of yeah. stuff, and to mm. learn stages or whatever. So I my 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 best part of my life of like from. 16 to like 24 I didn't do anything that a normal person would do I was working seven days a week like really yeah. ambitious to achieve something um so I went traveling around the world and I fucking loved it you know going to <laughs> go, going to Asia going to Alaska going to even America everywhere I went all around the world apart from India and some of South America um ran out of time ran out of money but I managed to see a lot with a backpack on uh, meet people on the route because you know a lot of when you're when you're yeah. backpacking certain yeah, travel yeah. routes to go so you, you know um, and you met loads of people uh, and then I found it sounds really fucking cliche but I found myself and I, I really had a different respect for not only what the hell I'm doing in my life but also in terms of food you know understanding okay. that you you get you get a stunning ass turbot, but yet you cut them all into stupid fucking squares, and you've been all the scraps. It's like, what the hell's wrong with that? Like, the fish is natural, but yet you go to the other side of the world, and it, they teach you about you know it's beautiful, it's natural, it, we don't waste anything, sustainable, and that's and then it all kind of like compiles into place where you're thinking, what the hell have I been doing my whole bloody life, my whole career? You know, there's so much wastage. Um, so then I came back to London because my girlfriend. Uh, was um, got a got a graduate uh, whatever you call it job in um, in, Bar uh, in RBS uh, the bank okay. so came, came back to London and um, then I started in London uh, in the St Ermans Hotel for three years and that was when I did MasterChef too but it was that traveling changed me in terms of my mentality my stress my anger the way I think about food so, um, yeah, best thing I ever done was not getting that star at a young age or I would have been an utter prick. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and would wow. you say, would you actually say that um, you totally uh, lost the focus now to get a star or 
is it still your focus? It's not my focus to get a star. If I get a star because I do good, uh, I, I have good restaurants and the food is good and it's worthy of that, then I'm happy because the recognition is more for the team's motivation. Um, in terms yeah. of filling, filling the restaurant up, Covent Garden has a waiting list. You know, it's, it's hard to get in there. That's not really going to do very much. But in terms of the recognition to me, as well as the team that are there busting their dicks off every day, mm. for them, it's the, it's the pat on the back to say, you know what, all this hard graft you just done, Look what you just achieved. Well done. Um, yeah. So in terms of that, but in terms of me just doing it to get a star, sadly not, not anymore. Okay, okay. So looking back on your career, um, Adam, if you was going to give an, an advice to up-and-coming chefs, what advice would you give? Be true to yourself and don't be an arrogant prick. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean be true to yourself in a way where if you don't like to eat it or it's not your passion in terms of what mm. you really like to, you know, eat yourself don't work there for one go work somewhere where you want to eat the food you know yeah. don't just work there because it's got one star two star three stars but yet you hate going to work every day this food is like too heavy or it's not your style uh, why why are you spending mm. your, your 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 time your precious time on doing something you don't enjoy yourself so no. forget forget the accolades just for your cv forget that Go and okay. find someone that you really, really admire, that inspires you, that food you can connect with, because eventually you want your own style, and go mm, and yeah. suck, on, suck onto them like a leech. Don't let go until you've absorbed everything you possibly can, then move on. That's what so, I'm so, so do you know what, so, that's, that is excellent mm. advice, that is. So, so when, you, when you actually did MasterChef, your pinnacle time, your, at the time of your career as a chef, would you say so you then notice your own style when you went on to MasterChef or was that after MasterChef? I think MasterChef made me create my own style, which was lovely. So I was I was working in, um, and I had only really got back from traveling maybe nine months before that, or actually less than that, actually. I think about six months before that. Uh, and obviously I, when you're working in a hotel, there's certain categories that you got to hit to, to please, you know, the hotel people. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then do, doing MasterChef, it kind of like, it was the first time in my life where I've 100% done exactly what I want to eat. And I think that's where it went. You know, it, it might not be the most refined or most technical, yeah. but when you eat it, mm -hmm. you're thinking, well, that's bloody delicious. I'll smash the hell out of that. And then yeah. that's where the turning okay. point changed for me to think, if I don't like to eat it, why am I working in a hotel forced to cook fucking things I don't want to do? And then I created then the frog, the first restaurant. Okay. Okay. The frog, right. That's, that's interesting. Wow. Okay, I was going to say as well, see the restaurant, um, the name The Frog. What made you come up with the name The Frog? Because it was my first restaurant and frogs are in the water, so I'm either going to sink or swim. And ah. uh, that was why I called it The Frog. Wow, that's a very good I love that. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's extremely original because like, you, always, you, you always see chefs when they do, that when they um, name a, a restaurant, it's always related to a food terminology or some sort. And yeah. this is totally, uh, totally different. The opposite. Yeah, well, I was with all my mates, so obviously all the chefs that worked for me in um, in Newcastle and then Fairmont, and then now worked for me in um, the hotel in London, are all still coming to work for me in this new place. Uh, so I was surrounded by people that I knew and I loved, and it was like, uh, "Are we going to do this? Are we going to smash it?" And it, it it was, yeah. We painted the walls ourselves. We did everything. Jamie, the um, head chef of uh, East London, he put the door handles on back to front in the, the toilets. 
we kept we kept them we kept them like that for the entire generation because it was like we did it ourselves yeah we fucked it up you don't turn it that way you turn it the other way but it, it worked and it was all them little quirky parts that it was us it was ours we made it um and the fact is that right that restaurant right there i wanted to break down the formalities in a very drastic way mm. graffiti all over the walls drum and bass playing uh swinging chairs but the food was delicious and it yeah. was not it w- there was not allowed to be one single prime ingredient apart from truffles because i love them on the <laughs> menu not allowed to be a single prime ingredient yeah. we had to cook either second or third class ingredients one because i couldn't afford first yeah and two because we wanted to just make something totally out the box and smash it and uh, I, I really think that restaurant was a pinnacle in terms of what we did as a group and, and what the food scene was in London in terms of its formal informal dining. Which which is which I'd say London London as a whole now the whole thesis of eating now has changed massively because I think informal dining is is the way forward really. Would you say? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I go to restaurants wearing a hoodie and jeans. If I, if I yeah. have to wear if I have to wear a suit, I'm not going. Mm. You know, I'm going to spend the same amount of money as a guy wearing a suit. So that whole pompousness that I'm not worth being in a place, people don't want to eat like that. They want to be comfortable. They want to relax. They want good food, good wine, good service, but to have fun. You know, it's yeah. not, I'm not saying put your feet on the chairs and like elbows on tables. I still have manners, but you, you need to be, you know, you know, you need to enjoy it as well and, and experience is how you enjoy it. Ironically, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> it might get me in trouble. But I'll tell you a story. So the, the, the main concept of why I created um, uh, the frog so informal was when I won Chef of the Year, literally just before I opened the restaurant, um, I, I got to go to uh, a two-star restaurant in London and I was given the best table. Anyway, I was wearing trousers, shoes and a shirt, no jacket. So I went there um, with my with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, I was treated to the tasting menu, blah blah blah. But everything, everyone was staring at me like I shouldn't be there because I wasn't wearing a jacket, and it made me fucking hate the meal. You know, the meal was the chef was you know it's two star restaurant, it's going to be good, but it made mm. me absolutely detest everything about it mm, because totally I didn't agree. feel because I didn't feel comfortable, and that whole one there was. You know, like we have to, we have to make people feel comfortable. Uh, and obviously, still, when I walk into a two-star restaurant or a three-star restaurant and wearing a hoodie and trousers, people look at me like, "Mate, come on, <laughs> fucking get a job, <laughs> um, <laughs> get a job." But I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I do it out of principle. I like to be comfortable. Yeah, but quite, quite rightly so. I think that's, I think that's the most important thing of eating. Those is, is being comfortable as a guest, as a client or guest. You just want to sit down and, and enjoy it. Wearing a jacket and a, and a you know a tie or a bow tie doesn't that, is, that is say that you're going to enjoy the food better than the person in the hoodie, does it? So, of course, it, of course. But if you go to my common garden restaurant, you'll see people wearing uh, suits, you'll see people wearing ties, bow ties, but you'll also see people wearing hoodies and trousers. But yeah, the way that I've designed that restaurant is that every single buddy is welcome, and everyone we made to feel comfortable. So if someone comes in wearing a suit and a cravat and really posh and that they'll get a different kind of service to someone wearing a hoodie yeah. that wants to have, you know, he's got a table of four with all of his mates and they're laughing loudly. You know, it, it's all about judging the person and judging the uh, the table where you then alter the way that you're going to do service. Yeah. 
No, I agree with what you're saying. I think what you're saying is fantastic. But do you think the Michelin background restaurants will change that kind of um, concept and be more relaxed? I think so, yeah. It's already happening. Um, yeah, it's already happening. Right? The one thing about London, I think it's the food capital of the world. I think it's bloody okay. incredible. Mm. And I'll, I'll explain why I think that. If you go to somewhere mm. like Spain or Italy, products are phenomenal and everything's cooked incredibly well because it's so simple. But, you know, you go to every single restaurant on that coastline and it's all the bloody same. They're cooking the same yeah. things. But, the, you know, the, their way, same things, same things, same things. You go to London, you'll never taste the same dish twice in any restaurant. Yeah. And the, the you know, the, the variety uh, and the, the chefs pushing for something is bloody phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and also as well, I noticed what's so great about London as well is... You experience the true cultural cooking as well in this country. If you if you if you actually go to places like France, Italy, I, I hate to say it, but they bastardized that style massively, and you wouldn't actually get a true Indian or a true uh, Vietnamese style of cuisine out there. Yeah, that's very true. Right, Adam. If we can, now, if we don't mind, I was going to ask you as well. Your famous mother dish. What inspired you to put it in the menu, and what, what, where did you get the idea from? How did you come up with that? So when I then um, when I launched Caxton, the the restaurant in um, in St Ermans Hotel, uh, I mm. had 50, 50 people uh, coming in for dinner, and it was my first proper London head chef job. You know, it was a big deal. Um, I got my mother and father to come down from Scotland, and uh, on the way down, my mother was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm vegetarian." And I was like, "Yeah, fucking course you are, mum. You you have to change. <laughs> you have to change just on the first night. I open a bloody restaurant, but yeah, sure." But by this point, I still wasn't confident in my own ability. So this was the perfect example. Grew, and it was full of everything that was bloody expensive again. You know, it was it was lobster, turbot. You know, it was everything, but no vegetarian dishes at all. It was all quite um, big. And then, okay. uh, so I created this dish called Mother, and I only gave her one dish, and I put it on everyone else's menu. Uh, and it was literally what I had kicking about. So you know, celeriac, truffle, eggs. You know, it all works super well and and super okay. lovely. But it seemed to be the most popular dish of the night. One, maybe because of the story. Uh, and yeah. two, because it actually tastes delicious. But because my mum was only having one dish, that's the only dish in my menu that contains probably equal quantities of the five taste sensations. Sweet, sour, bitter, umami. And uh, the, that dish there, the rest of the taste menu didn't. You always, mm. you always do one or two much higher than the other so that the balance mm. is like... Uh, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. So you never get bored of a dish. But that one was just one. But it was so well-rounded and it was just bloody delicious. And it's been on my menu ever since. And we tell the customers that story when we're shaving the truffles over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, luckily enough, I had a chance to come to you. I still love the taste of mine. And that was one of the dishes I remember. I've even um, pinched it. <laughs> uh, good, good. I want, I want people to do that. <laughs> Sorry, Chef. Has the dish evolved at all? Has it sort of? been the same ever since you first exactly exactly the same the only thing that changes about it is the truffle when seasons happen so white truffle is about to come into place so it'll be covered in white truffle after this but when next season comes but yeah the only thing that changes is the truffle that's terrific yeah yeah nice food okay adam as well what we also wanted to cover as well um how has the covid situation affected your business uh, quite drastically. We lost four restaurants in the storm, but um, not oh, to dwell wow. on it because everyone else is in the same boat. So if you just sit and moan and think the world's giving you a bigger shit pile than everyone else, you're you're just being selfish. So you adapt, you overcome, and you 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 know you, you re- redefine your business plan. 
so I, um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get rid of any of the chefs, any of the staff. To be fair, I absorbed them all into my Garden restaurant, and the ones that I couldn't, I put on furlough because obviously they're in a worse position than me. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty shit in that aspect. But we refurbed Covent Garden restaurant, and we refurbed Eve Bar. Um, we refurbed a little bit the Edinburgh Chelsea because it was shut for four months. And um, okay. then we re- redeveloped Hame, well, created Hame for that matter, our home delivery service. So we sell, send food all around the country, uh, not just yeah, London. And uh, yeah, that was it. Oh, wow. God, to, to, to lose four restaurants, that's quite drastic. Yeah. And then so uh, has, it, has it changed the way you do things, generally speaking, uh, this COVID situation on, 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 on the menu style? Are you having to minimise people sitting at the table less time as well so i was i opened in september rather than i so i opened in august rather than in july um because i wanted to see how everyone else was failing i know that sounds really harsh but i wanted to see who will do it right who will do it wrong and and learn from that before i opened common garden up and um i saw everyone a lot of restaurants well majority of restaurants you know doing less less staff on the floor uh, reduced menus and only one menu and I'm thinking, yeah, that's it. That makes perfect business sense. Should I do it that way? A fucking course I shouldn't. So I went the opposite way. I kept all my staff employed. I made my tasting menu the best I've possibly ever done. And I kept on all the menus. So guests, when they come to our restaurant, they can either have a la carte or tasting and they don't need to choose. Yeah, sorry, they don't need to be forced into a corner. They have what they want because, you know, hospitality, we need to be hospitable regardless of the mm. situation. Um, and I thought, I, I thought, yeah, gun it, gun for it, gun for everything. We've now had four months to develop a brand new menu. We've refurbed it. It looks stunning. It needs to be, it needs to be exactly what we're about. And we put everything we possibly could into this, uh, brand new menu. Um, and it's bloody awesome. Wow. That's brilliant. That's with your, brilliant. with your, with your home delivery service, are you, are you running that from your restaurant as well or? Yeah, from Common Garden. So the chefs are proper in the ship. Like, we, <laughs> we, we send about maybe just under a thousand dishes a week um around the wow. uk wow Jesus. Yeah. wow that we must take a, a lot of planning a, to do all that yeah it does we have a team um we've got a team of chefs that just take care of the home deliveries uh as well because we've got two batches one that goes out on monday and one that goes out on thursday um around the, around the country and um no nah, it's great nicola the godsend she is uh she she headed up this project big time and basically that was the only Hame was the only reason why i didn't lose Covent garden or eve bar because that was there oh, wow. yeah and, and do you think this is a, this is a a, a a new vein that you'll continue doing in, in the future no 100 you should wait and see what we have for christmas planned it's really oh wow okay <laughs> that's exciting brilliant <laughs> Wow, that's very interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Right, um, Adam, I think we're more or less coming to the end now. So if we can, just to finish on a light note, can we just have like a quick fire round, ask you some simple questions? And if you can, it's like a, yeah, like a yes or no, or just whatever your response is. Right, so the quick fire question will be, uh, Monica, Marcus or Greg, which one would you choose? Monica. Monica. Any reason why? No hesitation there. <laughs> Shit, man, Monica's amazing. She's, she's, yeah. she, she, she's like a sister to me. She's fantastic. Okay, that's a good, good answer. Also, your first ever bollocking in the kitchen. <laughs> one of the, <laughs> one of the chef de parties um, told me to call the other chef de party a rusty nuts because he was ginger. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I was only think that he had me up by the throat. I was in tears. <laughs> wow, I could imagine you get. Did you, I imagine you get beaten big time. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> okay, the next one. Your first ever. So your favorite kitchen gadget. Uh, a thermometer, I would say. Thermometer. Okay. Okay. Um, guilty food pleasure. KFC. Ooh. <laughs> that is nice. Yeah, yeah, can't be a bit of fried chicken. You can't yeah. indeed. I love it. And the last one, strangest food you've ever eaten. Um, I had um, a Chinese, um, uh, was it peach stone and pork in a soup? That was fucking weird. Yeah, it was, the soup was the soup was delicious, but it was soured by the bile in the stomach and then all the pork in it. I didn't know what it was until after I was eating it. Oh, oh my that sounds, <laughs> that sounds, yeah. yeah. So it was it wasn't enjoyable at all then. It was enjoyable until I got told what the hell it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that that was in January this year. I took all the chef, all the head chefs um, uh, to Bangkok because I was filming oh, yeah. um, for my new book. And uh, um, so we were getting taken to all these weird and wonderful restaurants to, to basically be inspired and, and see. So we don't know what we were eating in any of them apart from afterwards. And then it was just like, yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Adam, that was fantastic. And like I said, once again, thank you for your time. And definitely it was a pleasure speaking to you. And I'm glad you came onto our podcast. No really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I can kind of waffle on for life, don't I? Can I? <laughs> no, no, you, you're, full, you're full of great information yeah. there. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, also, Adam, would you like to mention your um, Instagram, Twitter, or any social media is what you want to mention at all? I hate Twitter because it's it's just like fucking TripAdvisor. It's only used for negativity. But my Instagram, Adam Handley, you can follow okay. me and see pictures of uh, what the hell I get up to. Great. Okay, thank you. Yeah. No, yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. See you later. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Adam. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, guys, that was a very interesting podcast by Adam Anglin from The Frog. Who have we got coming on next week? Uh, we've got... Uh, oh, go on, you we, just then, listen. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I have to. <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got Greg Emerson, uh, the 2018 semi-finalist of MasterChef uh, Amateurs. Uh, who's quite a genuinely lovely guy, I hear. Yeah, yeah, really looking forward to speaking to him. That'd be brilliant. Right, shall we sign off? I think so. I think so. So we've been, go three, chefs. <laughs> we've been three chefs on a pod, so don't forget to like and subscribe. Absolutely. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at ChefsPod. My name's Ian Samuels. My name's Vissa Nenden. And I'm Peter Pickering. We'll get these endings and, right at some point. Uh, yeah, and we are three just in the <laughs> Take care. <laughs> <laughs>